Today's sermon passage comes from Matthew chapter 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amenadab, and Amenadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by, U- by the wife of Uriah. And Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. And Abijah, the father of Asaph. And Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. And Joram, the father of Uzziah. And Uzziah, the father of Jotham. And Jotham, the father of Ahaz. And Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. And Manasseh, the father of Amos. And Amos, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. And Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud. And Abiud, the father of Eliakim. And Eliakim, the father of Azer. And Azer, the father of Zadok. And Zadok, the father of Achim. And Achim, the father of Eliud. And Eliud, the father of Eleazar. And Eleazar, the father of Mathan. And Nathan, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations generations. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we thank you this morning that indeed you have spoken your word to us, your people. We thank you that we have it. It's been preserved. It's here. We can know you through what you have spoken. We can know your son Jesus through what you have spoken. So Lord, this day, our prayer is this. Father, show yourself through your word. Father, let us see who you are. Let us believe. Let us cling to you. Let us be changed by seeing who you are and seeing what you do. clinging to you. So Lord, we're pleading, not just for this gathering and not just for this sermon, but for our congregation as we navigate the book of Matthew. We're pleading that you would 
speak and shape and mold your people to trust you, to glorify you. And we're praying that you would give us great hope and great joy in you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so I was prepared at this point to make a joke about how all those names reveal just how Southern someone is. But that joke was funny when someone else was reading it. But now it's me, and I'm a redneck. And welcome to Redeemer. We're glad you're all with us. If you haven't done so already, please take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Our normal mode of preaching here at Redeemer is to work through books of the Scripture. And so today we're starting a new study in Matthew. Uh, We're going to start here in chapter 1. We're going to work our our way all the way through chapter 28. So we're going to be here a while. So I would encourage you to like put a marker there. Um, and, and let's, as a people, camp out in Matthew. That's, that's what we want to do. So as we begin a new study, we're going to call this study Good News. We're going to call this study Good News. And so um, the first point of today's sermon is actually kind of setting up this study um, called Good News. And so... Um, Every generation of the church, ours included, has a tension. And the tension is this. Will we define Jesus through the lens of the issues of our day or through the lens of the things that we really care about or through the theological questions that matter most to us or... Will we allow Jesus to define himself as he's revealed in the scripture and then let that Jesus speak to the issues and the questions of the day? And all of us are sitting here going, oh, no, 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 the second one. We go to the scripture and we let it shape us and then we do modern questions. Except we, we often don't. And so when we go back to The gospel according to Matthew, here's the challenge for us. This was written to convey good news about Jesus the Christ, who is God's Savior. It's written to explain where he came from, what he taught, what he did, how he lived, why he died, why he rose again. And the challenge for us is this, will I allow this revealed, true, without error vision of Jesus shape how I and we understand Christ and his work? And even me saying that, that feels a little uncomfortable, doesn't it? Like, oh, you mean the pastor wants us to maybe question things? Yes! You mean the pastor wants us to allow Matthew to clarify and nudge and tweak and shift us and how we think about things? Yes! Because the marker is God's revealed truth 
not what your pastor believes, not what your church believes, and most certainly not what your favorite theologians say on Twitter. And I know more than the one of you who laughed at that are on Twitter. Because I see you. The question is, who was Jesus and what did God intend to share and reveal to us? And so we could have called this series a whole host of things. It could have been clever. It could have been really creative. But actually, we just went simple. Good news. Good news. There's a genre in the Bible called Gospels. There's four of them. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark actually calls his a gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Gospel is a word that means good news. It means good news. So the early church, the followers of Jesus, wrote down narrative, detailed accounts of the life and ministry and teaching of Jesus so that the good news of who he was and what he had accomplished would be remembered and believed and spread. The purpose of gospel is to spread good news, hope, and joy because Jesus is real, because Jesus is the Lord, because Jesus is It's true. So rather than burying the lead, let's approach this gospel according to Matthew as good news for humanity, good news for sinners, good news for the hurting, good news for the broken. The gospel is good news. So, there are places throughout the Gospel of Matthew where textual criticism and theological debate might be needed. But it's not the point. The point is the good news about Jesus. And textual criticism and theological debate are only intended to help us see who Jesus really is and celebrate it. Exposing the sins and the errors of the world is often Needed, but it's not the point of the gospel. The point of this gospel is to celebrate the good news of Jesus. The gospel of according to Matthew begins and ends with basically an announcement Jesus has come, Jesus has lived, Jesus has died. Jesus has risen, and in so doing, Jesus has accomplished eternal life for the people of God to walk in his blessings. This is our good news. I just feel like often we as the church forget that our story about our Savior is a good blessing to us and to the world. Or maybe that's just me, because you guys are all like, yeah, dude, we get it, good news. But I think seeing the gospel of Matthew as good news is a commitment. It's a commitment that we're going to read this and study this and pray through this 
looking for joy, looking for hope that comes from Jesus. The joy and the hope that replaces all the faux hopes that the world tries to offer. So I'm asking you for the next probably six months to go on a journey with me looking for joy and hope in Jesus Christ as we navigate Matthew together. As we navigate Matthew together. Now, before we begin this text for this day, let's just talk a little bit about Matthew and sermon series here at Redeemer. Please don't depend upon 35 minutes a week in this room to give you full exposure to what God is showing us in the book of Matthew. Now, if that's all you can give, please come, please engage, please take it. But our congregation is not built around my wisdom and all the good things that that are said from the stage at Redeemer. If so, you would all be fools to be here. It's built around the truth of the word of God being right and good for us. So I want to plead with you. Will you, over the next handful of months, maybe two hands full of months, you just never know here at Redeemer, but will you... Go to Matthew. You have questions about the faith? Ask the Lord to speak to you from Matthew. You need hope in Christ? Ask the Lord to show you from Matthew. You're trying to figure out if Jesus is even real? Ask the Lord to show you from Matthew. We're wanting Matthew to shape who we are. So I'm going to ask you to do three things. Number one, I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray. But pray expectantly. Assume there is work that God desires to do in you. Assume. There is work that God desires to do in you. And ask him to do it. Ask him to shape you. Ask him to change you through Matthew. So if you're a a Christian, if you're a believer, the book of Hebrews tells us that God disciplines those whom he loves. It tells us that God is always working in his life. People. So assume there's work God is doing in you and ask him to do it. Ask daily, ask boldly, ask confidently, ask hopefully. So I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to pray. Let's be praying. Second, I'm going to ask you to read. And all the kids are like, dude, we just started school this week. Everybody's asking me to read. True. So I'm just going to join the club, okay? I'm going to ask you to read. 
remember that the book of Matthew was written to be a story about Jesus. It wasn't written to be read the way an auditor reads an Excel spreadsheet. Okay? Some of you are like, I don't know what that means. Like they didn't all get a copy to break down and mark up. It was written to be a story. The way you would read your, fa- your favorite book before you put your kids to bed, it's written to be a story about Jesus that's frankly very memorable. So just open it and start reading it. And open it and start reading it. And open it and start reading it. Do you have a favorite fiction book that you like? The first time you read your favorite fiction book, did you get to the end of the first chapter and go, I can't go on until I completely understand the first chapter? Anybody? No, that's a stupid way to read fiction. The first chapter only makes sense when you get to the end of the story, right? And then the second time you read your favorite book, the first chapter, you were like, whoa! I didn't see all that before. Why? Because you knew all the end. And then the third time, right, right, right? Let's let's approach this story like that. Don't worry about squeezing all the drops out. Just worry about hearing it and hearing it and hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. And we are the busiest culture in the history of the world. I should say busiest culture in the history of the world. We make up a lot of our busyness. Um, This week, I sat down, I got my phone out, I set a timer for 15 minutes and hit start and started reading the book of Matthew. Anybody want to guess how far I got in 15 minutes? Hold up a number of chapters that you think I got through in 15 minutes. I got a five, a three, a one, a two, a six, a zero from my very confident son over here. Um, Four. Four. I'm a slow reader. I'm not a smart man. I got through four chapters. Seven 15-minute segments, and I finished Matthew. Twenty-one of them, and I finished Matthew three times. And then what's happening to the story? It's becoming more familiar. It's becoming more real. It's becoming more true. Like, I'm just asking you, The faith commitment is this is God's word. The faith commitment is this doesn't return void. The faith commitment is I need to let it do its work in me more than me doing my study of it. Now, if you're also the type of person that wants to get out a whiteboard and 17 different colors of pencil and wide rule paper and go to work, that's cool. But you don't have to. Just 15 minutes, open it, read it. God will work. I believe God will work. And here's the crazy thing. If you're digesting Matthew, I become a better preacher, and we all win. That was a little bit funny. You guys are like, dude, it's going to take way more than me digesting Matthew. Pray, read, talk, talk. Engage with somebody about what God's showing you. Talk to somebody about what God's showing you in Matthew. Now, I'm trying not to be overly prescriptive here so that you can't walk out and go, well, my life's not like Jamie's life, and my family's not like the Mosley family, and I don't get paid to read the Bible all day. And So I'm trying to undercut all those excuses and saying, like, look, you can figure it out. I'm just asking you to pray expectantly. 
I'm asking you to read regularly. And I'm asking you to talk freely with others who are also going through Matthew to help you just process what you're seeing and believing. I'm pretty fired up, guys. I'm pretty fired up. I'm excited about the next few months in the gospel of Matthew. So second point this morning, introducing Jesus. Introducing Jesus. This is verses 1 through 17. Now, show of hands, the minute I started reading, how many of you started singing Andrew Peterson's song about Matthew's genealogy? Anybody? No? I got one person. I paid LJ to raise his hand, though. Um, yeah, more. We got more? Okay, yeah, yeah. If you're under 35, there's a, there's a kid's song that literally is just these 17 verses set to music. And it'll get stuck in your head. You'll be singing about Abiud all day long. It's crazy. It was actually hard not to read in the cadence of that song. I paused for a while to, to let it settle. These 17 verses are an introduction to the gospel of Matthew, but more than that, they're an introduction to Jesus. They're an introduction to the Jesus who's being told of in this gospel. Um, the gospel of Matthew has a particularly Jewish feel to it, but it also has a to the ends of the earth feel to it. And in this gospel, Matthew is going to frame Jesus as the long-awaited long-expected hope of God's people. It's going to frame Jesus as the completion of all the promises. It's going to frame Jesus as the completion of all, his, of all the promises that God had been given to his people for centuries. So it begins, verse 1, the book of the genealogy, literally origins, of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And it, begin, and it ends, verse 17, so all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Now, just using that beginning and end as an emphasis, what's being shouted is Jesus is the Christ. His relationship to Abraham is very important. His relationship to David is vitally important. That, that's what's made clear in this genealogy. It's to introduce to us who Matthew is claiming Jesus to be. His identity is the Son of God, the promised Messiah. And he's rooted in the historical work of God revealing himself to his people through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Solomon and all the way down. 
Matthew wants to tell us who this Jesus is that he's introducing to his readers. Now, the way that he does it is with a genealogy. He does it with a genealogy. Now, this is something that's really important for you to know. Verses 2 through 16, they are a genealogy. They are true, but they are artistically formed to make a point. They are artistically formed to make a point. Think poetry over science. Think poetry over science. When Matthew says Abraham was the father of Isaac, that means he was a father of Isaac. That's true. But the word for father can skip generations. It doesn't literally mean one father, one son. So, so I could say, I'm the father of my son, John, but I could also say that my grandfather, John, is the father of my son, John, in this context, and both statements be true because they're descendants thereof. You guys tracking with me? All right. This gets really helpful. You're like, dude, what's the point? Have you ever tried to take this genealogy and put it beside the one in Luke chapter 3? They're not the same. Oh, no, is the Bible untrue? No, the Bible's true. Oh, no, was either Luke or Matthew an error? No. They took the reality and presented it differently to make a point. To make a point. Okay, so what's the point, Jamie? The point of Matthew's genealogy, this is crazy, you're going to wonder where I get this, is to show that Jesus is the son of Abraham, First section, son of David, second section, and the hope of God's people, third section. It's intended to highlight those three things. Well, how do we know that? Well, verses two through six cover about a little more than a thousand years. Verses six through 12 cover about 500 years. Verses 12 through 16 cover about 500 years. But you notice how magically they all have the same number of generations? Why? He's making the point that David, he's, he's, he's highlighting Abraham and David and hope. That's what he's highlighting here, okay? So the genealogy is true. But any of you guys that are spending all your time on Ancestry.com and submitting your DNA and chasing, like, I would actually love to do that. If you want to do that on my behalf, I would love for you to do that. But where we're actually trying to dot every I and cross every T, that's not what Matthew's trying to do. He's trying to say, Jesus literally is a descendant of Abraham, fulfilling the promises to Abraham. Jesus literally is a descendant of David fulfilling the promises to David. And Jesus literally is the hope of Israel and the hope of all of God's promises. And he's using, just like artists do today, he's using reality and words and cadence and numerology and acrostics to make the point. 
Now, I'm no Hebrew scholar, but Hebrew scholars would point out that the part flowing out of David, the names spell the name of David in Hebrew. He's making the point that David is focal. There's even some crazy things about numbers in Greek and Hebrew, and I'm just not getting into all of that except to say that this genealogy was written to highlight the point that's given in verses 1 and 17. Jesus is the son of Abraham, the son of David, and the Messiah who was promised to come. So, students of the scripture, have I freaked anybody out here? I'm just afraid somebody's going to walk away from this going, I went to this church named Redeemer, and they didn't believe that the genealogy was 100% correct. No, it's correct. It's true. It's God's word. It's not exhaustive. It's what Matthew intended it to be. And so as we study Matthew, let's understand that he's shaping the story to help convey the reality of who Jesus is. So it tells us that he is the Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So what Matthew is claiming is that Jesus is the completion and the fulfillment of God's promise through Abraham. If you're new to the Bible, just write this down. Genesis chapter 22, verse 18. Now, God makes his promise to Abraham in chapter 12 and chapter 15, but 22, 18 is the most succinct. He says, Abraham... Through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. What Matthew is claiming is that Jesus is that offspring. Jesus is the answer to that problem, that all the nations of the earth will walk in God's blessing by walking in So the long-awaited promise of the nations knowing God and walking in his blessing will come to pass through Abraham. Second, the promise to David. There's numerous passages you could write down, but the simplest and most concise would be Psalm chapter 89, verse 29. The Lord has said he will establish the throne of David forever and there will be no end. What Matthew is claiming is that promise about the king like David who will reign over the earth forever and and carry out God's blessing and God's kingdom has come in Jesus. It's answered in Jesus. Jesus is the completion of this promise. Third, the Christ. The Christ. This is where preachers usually make a bad joke and say, it's not his last name, it's his identity. (laughs) But it's not his last name, it's his identity. It's true. The Christ is the Greek of 
the messianic expectation. It's the Greek that, that speaks to the anointed one who was to come and represent God's people and bring the promised reign of God to the earth. And so if you're, if you're reading this genealogy, you're like, well, what's going on in verses 12 through 16? Why was the deportation so important? The deportation was so important because God's people got kicked out of God's place and God's king was taken off of God's throne. And it looked like all the promises and hopes of David were squashed and killed and destroyed forever. Enter the Christ. The one who shows that it's not dead, but it's fulfilled. The one who shows that it will be completed. The one who shows that from the face of Ending and death and doubt springs life. A passage to write down would be Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. Get this beautiful word picture. There shall come a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Jesse, father of David. Stump, dead tree, life over. Shoot, meaning life. There's something green coming out of it. There shall come a shoot from the stump of Jesse. And what Matthew is claiming is that Jesus is that hope. He's the hope of the promises being completed. He's the hope of all the futility finding fulfillment. He's the hope of the world. Now, Matthew's making massive claims about Jesus. The nations will be fully and completely and finally blessed in Jesus and Jesus alone, completing the promise to Abraham. The king over God's people who will reign forever, he's Jesus completing the promises to David. And the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one, the promised one who will bring God's promised reign to the earth, he's Jesus. And the brokenness of the deportation is undone because the king has come. The king has come. Matthew is using this genealogy to set up who Jesus is. The Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So if you're a, a, of a Jewish descent, what you're hearing is, oh man, this stuff that we've been talking about and in Torah class for generations that, that seemed futile and, and empty and hopeless. You're saying it's, it's real? Yes! You're saying God's for us even though what we see all around is Rome? Yes! 
You're saying God's going to keep all of his promises and bless his people and let us walk in his blessing? Yes! And I'm telling you that Jesus is how he's going to do it. Will you consider him? That's how Matthew begins his gospel. So friends, the rest of Matthew, the life, the ministry, the teaching, the death, the resurrection, what the rest of Matthew is going to do is it's going to show the people how this is true and how Jesus is the one to be trusted and believed in and followed. And we're going to go on this journey together. What I would love for you to do is say, I will consider Jesus. I'll consider him. I know for a fact, in a room of this size, many of us don't believe, or we're faking belief because we're good Southerners, or we have real questions that we're just unwilling to let out. All of that's welcome here. Will you consider Jesus as the solution? Will you go on this journey with us? And for those of us who are filled with assurance and filled with confidence and have all the answers and have dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's and poke our chest out because we are Bible study warriors. Be a Bible study warrior. I'm for that. But will you allow the word of God to reshape you as it needs to? The purpose of the word of God is not so we can feel accomplished. It's so we can be shaped. Will you be shaped with us? So our Father and our God, as much as your word, excuse me, as much as what has been spoken today is truthful, and faithful to your word. Would you <clears throat> cause us to receive and be changed? God, I'm praying over this congregation that you would shape us by your word and that truly we would be a people who know Christ, walk with Christ changed by Christ. This is our hope today. Please be at work. Amen.